All right. Good morning, everyone. Let's give it up for Jason Tran. He is the man. Oh, everyone look at Jason as he walks off stage. <laughs> oh, man, he's, he's great. He's amazing. Hey, go ahead and repeat this after me. Ephesians 1 verse 4, and it says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's do it again. Here we go. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be set apart without fault in his eyes. Celebrate it. Go ahead. God is God's good like that. Hey, we are in a series entitled Chosen, where we're studying through the book of Ephesians. Um, without trying to get through a lot of the historical context, just to simplify it all, Paul, at this time, um, he was the leader of the church of Ephesus at one point. He started that church. Um, this is what you call a, a Gentile city, non-Jewish city. And uh, a, few a few years later, he ends up in prison in Rome. And so he's writing a letter back to the church of Ephesus to encourage them as to who they are in Jesus Christ. And one of the first things he says in uh, verse 4 of chapter 1 is, you are chosen in Christ. You are loved before the world even began. So if you think God is out to get you, to stop all the fun, to destroy your life, to to, to make you, you bored or, or whatever, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God is out because he loves you. He wants to set you free. He wants to empower you, and he has a great calling on your life. And so um, he's writing back to the church in Ephesus, and um, it's, 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 they say, his most powerful, majestic letter. A lot of scholars say that God himself pinned we know that, you know, this entire book is God-breathed, but they say that God himself took the pen as Paul was writing, and he wrote the book of Ephesus. If there's no other book that God wrote in the Bible, in which we know he wrote them all, they know beyond the shadow of a doubt it's Ephesus. So we're studying through uh, these six chapters um, for the next few weeks, and I would encourage you to read the, the book of Ephesians. Just read about Jesus and Read about salvation. Read about grace. All these big words to some of you I may be throwing out, but if you would just read it, if you would pray to God before you read it, Lord, give me what you will have me to understand. God will speak to you as you read his word. And so um, welcome to Highlight Church. Hey, let's give it up for our first-time guests. We love you all. And we are we're honored to have you. We're honored to have you. Let's pick up here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. And it says this, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. So like we said, at this point, Paul is in fact in prison. During the day, he's on house arrest. So he has some freedom during the day to move around his jail cell uh, with uh, some, mon some monitoring uh, but at night, he's shackled to a prison guard, and he's still doing the work of God. The very thing that got him put in prison 
was his testimony of Jesus Christ and his obeying Christ. And so to think that uh, following God is always going to lead to a preferable place would be a dramatic mistake. But I'd rather be led to an unfortunate place following God than not. So um, he's a prisoner, and he says, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for your benefit. Um, I kind of want to stop here for a minute and just let you all know that uh, whenever there is ministry and whenever there is leadership, um, chances are they're paying a high price just for you to be blessed. Um, Chances are you're going through things. But nine times out of ten, they're going through things probably ten times as much as you are. And so we know Paul here being an apostle who went to three different continents to spread the good news about God's love. Families are being changed. People are being set free from addictions. Demons are being cast out. Healings and miracles are occurring. Paul, if you read 1 Corinthians, tells you of all of the, the traumatic events that he has had to go through just to get the blessing to you. So chances are, if you are in a healthy church, if you have healthy spiritual leadership, if you have a healthy spiritual team, the people at the top are, are paying the highest price. And so just remember to always pray for your spiritual leaders. I'm not up here begging, but we could use some prayers in the Reading household. And uh, because as we're healthy, you're healthy. And we want to continue to provide in that way. And it lands Paul in prison. And so verse 2, assuming by the way that you know God gave me this special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. This mysterious plan, what was the plan? He'll get to it in a second. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now uh, by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Apostle, if you would do the five-fold ministry by five fingers, the apostle is the index finger. The apostle goes, they start ministries where the gospel is not flourishing or where there are no churches. So they, they plant churches, apostleship. Uh, They have the gift of apostleship. Prophets are messengers of God. So they're like your FedEx and your UPS guys. They get a message from God, and they go to you, and they deliver it, and they say, peace out. Don't blame me. I'm just a messenger. Here you go. And so he says that this mystery was revealed to the apostles and the prophets, the messengers. Are we following along? All right. So then it says here, verse 6, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally, watch this, in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, the church, the body of Christ. Both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. They belong to Christ Jesus. We're going to break that down. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. I love that perspective. Paul has a I get to attitude, not a I have to attitude when it comes to serving God. Um, he, has, he has said Sunday is, is God's day. Monday is God's day. Tuesday is God's day. Wednesday is God's day. Thursday is Friday is God's day. And whatever I have to do to sacrifice whatever, I have to serve God because it's a privilege because of what he's done in my life. And so to ask me to get up at five o'clock to set up church, to come here, to meet you, to see your beautiful face and to serve you up the good news of Jesus, it's an I get to situation, not I have to. It's I get to. 
And the world would be a better place if we had some I get to people when it comes to serving God. Verse 8, though I am least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in the church, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Everything is not as it appears. I'm going to take my time on that at the end here. We live in a physical world, but we are engulfed by a spiritual world. There are unseen rulers, demonic, angelic rulers, and principalities. Principalities reside over a region, be it Gaithersburg, be it the state of Maryland, be it your neighborhood, be it in your home. We're going to talk about how Satan, when he was cast out of heaven, he took a third of the angels, and now they are assigned to your life. They have been. They know you better than you know you. They have seen God. They have seen human beings since Adam and Eve. They, they, they know how to get someone stuck on alcohol. They know how to depress you. They know how to oppose you. They know how to oppress you. They know you. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Because when you are in Christ, you have more power and greater authority. We're going to talk about them later. Verse 11, this was his mysterious plan, which he carried out through Jesus Christ, our Lord who has ever seen the movie Lion King? The original, not none of these shows. Show of hands. <laughs> Lighten it up real quick because y'all are like, oh my God, what kind of church are we in this morning? The Lion King. I loved it, man. You, you, you know, well, I didn't like the beginning. I saw it when I was eight years old and I went to see it with my father out of all people. And man, it has a nice start to it. Then eventually you get to the, to the stampede and, um, you know, Simba gets in trouble. And Mufasa, here he comes to, to save his son. And uh, he gets his boy out of the stampede, out of the trouble. And um, he's trying to climb back up. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. You see it. You see it. He's climbing back up. And old Sleuthfoot is what I like to call him. <laughs> That's a nickname for the devil. Scar. Steps in and. You know, Mufasa. And he just lets him go. And, you know, I'm 10 years old, sitting, like, I'm, I'm about this tall at this point in my life, like half of my body, probably taller. And my dad is 6'4. And all I'm thinking as I'm Simba is, my dad would do that for me. He would save me. And, man, as Mufasa is falling, I just start crying because he dies. He dies. You, you remember, you remember Hakuna Matata. It's a wonderful phrase. <laughs> you, and, and it was a good movie. It was a good movie. And what made it a good movie was that it had so many great underlying morals and messages to it. Just to name a few, uh, they say one of those messages or morals is that it's okay to marry your best friend. As a matter of fact, you should be friends with the person first before you marry them. Another one is this, running away doesn't always solve your problems. 
because we saw where Simba at a certain point, he ran away. And uh, he had to eventually go back to address those problems. If not, he would have never stepped into everything the spirits had for him. And then akuna matata means no worries. I want to bring a message to you entitled, The Great Within the Good. The Great Within the Good. Any good marriage or any good relationship, for that matter, is made up of great communication. Um, or I, I would even go as far as to saying that any good-looking body uh, is made up of great discipline. The discipline to diet and, and the discipline to work out. So anything good that you see has intrinsic greatness to it. And so we see Paul here writing uh, chapter 3 to the church in Ephesus. And he's, he's talking about this plan or this mystery, the good news of Jesus for all people. How Jesus died for the Jewish, the white, the black, the Hispanic, the Indian, the atheist, the agnostic, the Hindu, the, the Catholic. He died for all, all people, no matter your background. That's the mystery. Jesus Christ came and he died for you. Yeah. And, and that's the mystery. But within that, we see, we can see and you can experience. If you would accept the good news of Jesus Christ, great things are supposed to come out of your life. It's not just, hey, Lord, I make you, Jesus, I make you Lord on Sunday. And for the next five years, continue to remain in the same defeat, the same depression, the same oppression, the same friends, the same habits. It's, hey, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I walk with you. And it's God showing you as you trust and obey him, and walk with him, and learn about him. It's God producing great things from your life. It's God taking you to a different level in your life. And what I want to do is I want to pull out three truths today about the great within the good news. The great within the good news that Christ came and he died for you on a cross for your sins to set you free. There is greatness all wrapped up inside of the good news of Jesus. As a matter of fact, it's the best thing going is life in Christ. It still is the best thing going. It's life in Jesus. You're talking to a you're listening to a millennial. We live in a world where everything is available to us. And they can have it all. Because if I can't have Jesus, I don't want it. And that's where you have to get to. Number one, there is blessing in belonging. There is blessing in belonging. Verse 6 says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. We have to be careful not to always equate blessing with tangible things. Um, money, uh, the amount of uh, Instagram followers, Facebook friends. Uh, we have to be extremely careful not to equate blessing with tangible things. Two reasons, two reasons. Number one, someone's always going to have bigger, better, and newer. You can go out here to the mall right now, up to uh, Montgomery Mall, and, and, and go to your favorite store, and you can shop, and you can buy a few bags, 
and you can have your, your, your wife or your husband or your friends, and y'all can end up going to the cafeteria or the courtyard. And here comes a bigger family with nicer clothes from the same store with 10, 20 bags. You can, you can, you can buy a car. You can buy a 2017 Lexus, 10,000 miles. An hour later, someone's going to come on the lot. They're going to buy the 2018, 2,000 miles. It's going to be bigger, newer, and better. So we can't always equate because what we get caught up in is what, what the Bible calls covetousness, where what we, we see what someone else has. We see their marriage. We see their relationships. We see their leadership. We see their influence. We see everything that they have. And we, man, they are so blessed. And, and it creates a void in our souls. The second reason is this, is you will never be able to have everything that you want. You'll never be able to own everything that you want. And we don't have the verse, but the verse is Proverbs 27.20 says that death and destruction are never full, nor is human desire. Like, I don't know if death has came into our society recently and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm done taking lives. I'm I'm done. And the Bible says, so is human desire, meaning so is your flesh. Your flesh is never done wanting more. And so the reason why we can't equate the blessing of God to tangible things is because it puts us in a place where we are unhealthy, ultimately. So I ask my boys questions like this. I ask my boys, are you enjoying yourself? Um, or I may ask them, are you rested? Um, we may also, I may also ask them, um, what are you grateful for? And ultimately, what I'm hitting on is introspective view. Not how much candy do you have or how big is the toy box? Because you're going to go to Abu Sise's house. He has kids the same age as your kids, and their entire basement is the same size as your house, and their entire basement is three times as big as your boy's room with just as much stuff. And then your boy comes home. Uh, this is free therapy. You guys are free therapy. <laughs> Therapy's too expensive. And then your boy comes home, and he's looking at you sideways because he stays up at Abu's house till 2.30 a.m., and he has to get back to bed time at 8 p.m. So I ask him, are you grateful? Yeah, had fun. Had fun. Got me feeling like a failure. I'm like a failure, man. You know, it's vital to understand that you are blessed on the inside. So when you read Ephesians 3.6, y'all know I don't get lost. I'm, you got to stick with me. So when you read Ephesians 3.6, you have to understand when Paul says that the Gentiles and the Jews inherit the same riches. He's not talking about anything tangible. You have to understand that first you are blessed on the inside. That that's where the most important blessing is. Because, because when you gave your heart to Jesus, all of God... All of God made his home on the inside of you. All of God. Check that this is truth. 
You can't feel this. You can't be stoked about this. It should stoke you, but you can't be stoked about it. Check this out. All of God made his home in your heart. So Paul is now saying that everything you've ever wanted and everything that you ever needed is actually on the inside of you right now. And that's the blessing that they share in. And so the reason I ask my kids questions like, are you enjoying yourself? Because joy and happiness are two different things. What are you grateful for? Because the Bible says, I don't have it either. The Bible says little with God is much. But a lot without God is little. So I must ask them these questions because I got little troopers that I'm raising up and I want them to love Jesus in a generation that they haven't even given a name to yet. I want them to lead the way. I want them to show the next generation that, hey, you don't have to have all these things. You don't have to have all these people. All you need is the spirit of God in your heart. And what God does is he works internally. This is the trick. The devil loves to give you the best first. We're going to talk about him in about 15 minutes. The devil loves to give you the best first. God gives you the most vital, the most essential first, and then the exterior becomes blessed. So the Lord will tell you to tithe, to give 10%. Because it's not about your money, it's about your trust in me. If you would give me the 10%, the tithe, everything that you make, the Bible says that the first, off the top, the, the direct deposit that you get, if it's $1,000, 100 is in fact God's. And so he says in Malachi 3, you're robbing me. And the prophet's like, how are we robbing you? You're robbing me in the tithe and the offering because I gave you the strength to make the money in the first place. So he says, bring it back to the storehouse. The, the New Testament storehouse is the church. And what, but what he's trying to, he doesn't care about your money. No church needs your money. What he's trying to do is get you to trust him. Because when you build muscle memory and trust, when it comes to your money, you can build muscle memory when the tough times come and trust. You can build muscle memory in your marriage. You can build muscle memory in your schooling, in your career, when it comes to trusting him. Because the older you get, the more you're going to have to trust him. You know why? Because there's a devil out there that never stops tempting you. And when you are tempted the most, that is when you need to trust the most. So he'll say that the thing that competes, Jesus said there's one thing that competes for the place of God in your life. It is money. He says a man cannot serve God and money. He didn't say sex. He didn't say clothes. He didn't say food. He said God and money. So he'll ask you to give him, give him the 10% because he's building trust in you. You know why? Because you're not going to be hot all your life. Everyone gets older. And you're going to, men, as you grow older, the women get, I'm, I'm going real right now. As you get older, the women get younger. The woman that you with, she gets older. And you're going to have to trust that the blessing is still with the woman that you're with, not the woman that you're looking at. It's still with the woman that you're with, not the woman that you're looking at. But it comes from trust. So take this 10%, because I'm more blessed with 90 than I am with the 100 by myself anyway. I need your blessing on the 90%. I don't know how we got into tithe, 
but maybe someone needs to give this morning because you're holding up a blessing in heaven if you continue in that vein. And so Galatians 5, through 23 says this, but the fruit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. When you give your heart to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. The only way that you can experience and produce this kind of fruit is when you allow Jesus to have his way with you. We could do a comparative analysis because before this verse, Paul talks about to the Galatian church, the fruit of the flesh, anger, worry, anxiety, depression, lashes, uh, 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 lust, all these different things that the flesh produce. But when you allow Jesus to have, your, have his way with your life, chaos can occur in your life, but you can have peace. Chaos can occur, but you can have joy. You can have patience. Because in order to fulfill your calling, you're going to need patience. In order to have any relationship work, you need patience. You need, bring that verse back up, you need kindness. You need, you need goodness. You need faithfulness. You're going to need gentleness. And in order to be, to be blessed, you're going to need self-control. And what Jesus is saying is, is that I'm in your heart. And I want to bless you externally. But I need you to allow me to have my way in your heart. And when you do that, the result is peace. The result is peace. The result is fulfillment. The result is an abundant life. And uh, I was home recently um, talking to my sister-in-law. And she said, Josh, man. And this is the way she talks. She said, Josh, I be on Instagram and Facebook. And I see all y'all's pictures. I see your family. I see the church. I see the kids. And man. Y'all live in North Potomac. Y'all just look rich. And I'm like, if I could only show you our bank account. But, but, but she got me to thinking about rich people. And like the, the, the creative process of, of business, when you're starting a business or when you've taken the normal track and you've gotten your master's or your PhD, and maybe you're on a job right now, you're making great money, a quarter million, half a million, a million plus, whatever you're making. And I thought about this, like when you go to your job interview and you are being interviewed by your future supervisor, y'all got to follow me this morning, okay? You're being interviewed by your future supervisor and they're looking at your experience and they're looking at your education and your, and your certificates and all that stuff. It dawned on me. That when people see masters and PhDs on resumes and portfolios, they're not hiring you for your knowledge. You, you do understand that. You are not hired for your knowledge. 
you are higher to the degree to which you can apply your knowledge. You are paid to the degree to which you can apply your knowledge. The same thing is with the spirit. You can know that you're saved. But the terrible part about that is, is that you can have the same habits, the same struggles, the same attitude, the same discontentment, the same bitterness, the same anger, simply because you're not applying what you know about who you are and who you belong to. Man, I gave my life to Jesus, but where's the peace? What was the peace? Jesus, like, I'm, I'm in here. I'm, I'm in your heart. I'm trying to. I gave my life to Jesus. Why can't I get over this addiction? Self-control. Self-control. I can do that for you. I can do that. But you're not applying it. You're still the same person. You can't tell me what to do. Well, you will stay right here. You will, you will serve right here. Well, I'll never study. You know, I won't break my study habits. I always study two days before my test. Well, until Jesus can get you to study two weeks before your test, you will never get to the place where God has for you. you they get paid to the degree to which they apply what they know, not for what you know. Because I know PhDs that don't have a job to this day because they're not applying themselves. So... We are rich because we apply the truth of who we belong to. We're rich in peace. We're, we're rich in community. I thank God that we have a church where we can go to a man or a woman. We can call someone up and say, hey, I'm discouraged. I need some help. Yeah. So I, I told my sister-in-law, yes, I'm rich because I'm surrounded by people who love me. Right. I'm surrounded by people who want me. I'm surrounded by people who will challenge me who won't let me down, who are faithful. I am rich. And we have the relationships within the church that the world seeks to have out there. We, we have it in here. We have it in here. Number two, I want to talk about the privilege in participation. The privilege, the great privilege in participation. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to belong to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Paul went from persecutor. If you read in Acts chapter 9, we're in a teaching mode. Stick with me. Paul went from persecutor of the church, so he arrested and he murdered Christians. At this time in, in the book of Acts, they were not called Christians. It was called the way. So he was a part of a sect called the Pharisees. They arrested and murdered Christians. The love of Jesus Christ met him on the road, of, on the road to Damascus, blinded him for three days. He went on a three-day fast, and Jesus says, I have a great calling on your life. So I'm not just going to save your soul. I'm going to send you. So anyone that's not going, you're not growing. If you're not inviting people to church, you're not growing. If you're not praying, you're not growing. If you're not reading, you're not growing. It's not a heaven or hell thing 
This is just, what do you want from God? Anyone that's not going, you're not growing. Okay? And so Paul goes from persecutor to preacher. Then he goes from preacher to prisoner. I got some people tracking with me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you this morning. He goes from persecutor to preacher to prisoner. Persecutor, preacher to prisoner, and he considered it a great privilege. Have you ever been invited somewhere that you didn't deserve to be? Like an award show or, 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 or something. You, you didn't deserve to be there, but they wanted you there. Kyra and I, we recently went to a, a conference in D.C. called The Rising. Uh, thousands of women, and uh, she has recently connected with uh, some older leaders in the area, huge churches. They see potential in our church, and they've just been keeping an eye on us. They're praying for us, and they're actually, some of them are going to be investing into us soon. Praise Jesus. Um, and um, we were invited to come on stage that first night at a women's conference. The husbands were there, so we came on stage, and uh, one, of, one, of, one of the most famous pastors I had never met, I read plenty of his books, was there, and he led us on stage. He was on this end, and Kyra and I, we were coming up last, and so one of the ushers told us to go on the other side of, of the guy that I'm referring to, just stand next to him. I mean, his church is 21 years old, eight campuses, thousands of people. The next couple, 10 years old, thousands of people. The next couple, 10 years old, thousands of people, seven. And here we are at the end of the stage. You know, because four of them are encouraging the crowd and speaking to the crowd and all that. And we're just like seven months old, (laughs) about 100 people. Yeah, and it it was an absolute privilege. And then you talk to these people at the pastor's after party, and they're like, oh, you guys are a lot further than where we were seven months in. As a matter of fact, the guy that I was standing next to, some of y'all are reading his book right now, they had an average attendance of 25 people in their first nine months. And today they have eight campuses across D.C. and Virginia. I think we're doing something right. It It was an absolute privilege to be on that stage because God will often put you around the people that are projecting where you're going. So if you're, if you are consistently around people that are favored by God, that are blessed by God, please stick around these individuals. Do not let the devil detach you from people like that. Please don't. And so it was a privilege. It's always been a privilege. You know, before we moved our moving team, I'm working this, this is good. Our moving team, uh, the, the, the nine of us, I, I did a study one day back in Florida. It was one of the punchlines was, it's a privilege, it's my pleasure. Yeah. We, we wanted to come in with that heart to the city of Gaithersburg, that it's a privilege to open our doors, to set up pipe and drape, to, to move from a state to another state that we never stepped foot in and to just share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. It's a privilege to serve you, to know you, to be in a relationship with you. It's our our pleasure to be chosen, and and that's what we've done. It was birthed from a, a raw burden in my heart since the early days of my salvation. I gave my life to Christ when I was 19. 
and I know what he saved me from. I know the lust he saved me from. I know the habits he saved me from. I know the addictions he saved me from. I know the mindset he saved me from. And, and when I gave my heart to Christ, I said, Jesus, my life will be dedicated to the world knowing who you are above all things. It's a privilege to participate in sharing God's love in society. It is a privilege. This is an I get to thing, not I have to. It's a privilege to be chosen in this generation to serve God on the capacity and at the rate that I do. So, you know, when God called me at 19, I was a part of a church. And one of the first things that was given to me was a Bible by my mother. It's in the back. I meant to bring it up here. It's a big black King James Bible. And it says, walk in faith, love mom. Yeah, thanks. Um, she, he gave me a Bible. And, and, and it was a privilege. Because up until then, all I had known was religion. I knew go, go to church, do your thing Monday through Saturday, skip church Sunday, go the next week. God might be happy with me. Don't matter, I'm living life. But when Jesus saved me, it was a real deal. Chris, give me that. This thing is legendary. This bad boy is the sucker that raised me. This is the sucker that after I gave my heart to Christ, I stayed up 2 a.m. I was pre-med. So I, I, would, I would do my work after class from like 6 p.m. to 10. Then I would go home. And from 11 to 2 a.m., it was a privilege just to get at my desk. Men, you got to do this. And women. And just spend time. In the word of God. You know how much of a privilege it was? Genesis, Exodus, and half of numbers are missing out of this Bible. Time with God. Lord, there's no distraction. I just want you. I just want to know you. I just have to know you. You saved my soul. If I gave you my soul, I got to learn about who you are. I just got to know. Y'all don't, you don't give someone your soul and don't get to know them. It's like paying your rent and not living in the house that you're paying rent for. God gave me a Bible. That was a privilege. And I served at a little church a little bit smaller than this one, currently where we are. And um, the first thing the pastor gave me was a broom. A broom. I would come in an hour before Tuesday night Bible study. Um, church started at 10. I would come in at 8 a.m. on Sunday. I didn't say, give me, a, give me the microphone. <laughs> what? For four years, a broom. From the age of 19 to 23. It was a privilege to clean the house of God. So that. Jesus could, in fact, appear as glorious and as magnificent as he is on my account. Then God said, all right, I can trust you with a broom. Y'all okay? I'm going to hold y'all for about five minutes over. He said, I can trust you with a broom. And this is Paul saying it's a privilege because it's undeserved. I used to kill Christians. And Paul preached across three different continents. You think it was because Paul was all wonderful? <laughs> no, because he had a mindset. 
So God said, all right, I gave you a broom, gave you a Bible. You, you work in those things. I'm going to give you some chairs. Now, what I need you to do is I need you to open the door for people and show them to their chairs. I had a broom and I had chairs for four years. And I had my Bible. And I read David, who served in the pasture when no one saw him, who gave it all of his heart, who gave it all of his life. I read David. And I read Joseph, who had a dream from God at 17 and then went to prison for 14 years. And he was still faithful to God in prison. And then he became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Because in prison, it was an attitude of, it was, a, it was a privilege. It was a privilege. And then, and this one blew my mind. God gave me <clears throat> the next step when I moved back home to Florida. He gave me kids mats. So, pray, thank you, Jesus. Now my kids are in the kids ministry at my church. He gave me kids mats. And it was a privilege to set up kids' mats, to not be seen. This is six years into my salvation. I'm like 25, 20, 26 right now. And, you know, I would put those mats down because someone was going to encounter and step on those mats, someone's child, someone's baby I may be dedicating next Sunday. Praise God. And I prayed over the mats, Lord, bless these children. If any child is sick, touch them. If any parent of these children are struggling, bless them, deliver them. Father, if any marriage is struggling, hold it together. This child needs their mother and father. It was a privilege. It was a privilege. I didn't, you don't, you don't, you don't go to the company asking the boss, hey, can I get a promotion? No, you serve where you are. And you consider it a privilege. And now, 11 years later, God trusts me with a microphone. Because this is my belief. I believe if you would have a, this, as a concern serving Jesus, if you would have a, this is a privilege, it's my pleasure mindset, then your promotion in life would not be a problem for God. It's my privilege, it's my pleasure, Lord, to serve you, simply because of where you've taken me from. Had I stayed on that track, I would be dead today. Had I stayed on that track, I would have had baby mom here, baby mom there. I was going to go down the same road that generations in my lifeline and in my family had gone down. But you saved me from that, so now... I give you my entire everything. Everything is a privilege. This is a privilege to be up here. It's a privilege. Number three, we're going to go about five minutes over. Is that okay? Number three, Paul wants them to understand that there is glory in your story. There is glory in your story. And I, I didn't mention how after the kids, Matt's, it was no longer uh, straight chairs. I would invite people over to Kyra's house, and it became circle chairs and a Bible. So before I got the mic, God had to trust me with three people. 
before we, we got, you know, money for a church and before other churches that make millions want to invest here, God's going to trust you with some Doritos and fruit punch and a full-time job and three people. And so there, there is glory in your story. The last verse reads, Ephesians 3, 10 through 11 says this, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display in his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus. I'm just, I just, I gotta, I don't have a lot of time. So the world, check this. The world is the stage. You and I are the co-stars and angels and demons are the interactive audience interactive audience. And I'm just going to, angels, we're, we're going to teach here. Angels were created before the world and before human beings. It says it here in Job 38. Job was a man who lived in a, in a very primitive time in human history. And so things were just spiritually delicate. He could, he could sense things. And he was going through a very tough time. Read the book of Job. And he was questioning God as to why he was going through this tough time. God responded in the book of Job with this. He says this, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Where were you when I created the earth? He says this, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. He was saying that as I was creating the world, angels were giving me praise. So angels predate human beings in the creation of our solar system. All right, check this out. Angels were created, this is just another teaching point, to worship God and to minister to us. Hebrews 1.7 says this, regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like winds, his servants like flames of fire. Paul even goes on to say in another book in the Bible that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. So watch out for how you treat homeless people. Watch out how you treat strangers. It could be an angel that you're not aware of. So angels are also called to give you a message. Sometimes you're looking for clarity. They'll bring it to you. You won't know it's an angel. You probably even think it's the Holy Spirit. It could be them. Sometimes it, they can di direct your steering wheel out of a certain way. You're about to get in an accident and an angel directed it. Sometimes, I know a lot of times in scripture, you see angels that imparted strength unto people when they were struggling to die. So a lot of times, it was a miracle from God. It was from God, but God used an angel, his servants, okay? So, but we, we have another issue. Lucifer, who was Satan before he came into the world, his name used to mean morning star. The Bible says that he was the anointed cherub that covered where the Spirit of God is in heaven. Heaven is God, but he covered God. As a matter of fact, Lucifer was so bad, he was worship music in heaven. The Bible says that Lucifer was the most beautiful, he was the most glorious, and the wisest angel that God had ever created. There are two things that society magnifies. Watch this. Fashion and music. He was the minister of music in heaven. And he was the most glorious. He had nine 
precious stones that were made up in his loins and in his body. And he went to a mirror in heaven one day and he saw himself. And he said, I will be like the most high God. And God said, no, you won't. Pack your bags. You're out of here. And so Lucifer was cast out because of pride. Let me deal with Satanism now. Satanic stuff. You are most like Satan. I am most like Satan. When I live in a way where I don't want God as the Lord of my life. That is when we are the most satanic. It's not murder. It's not adultery. It's not, because all of those things are rooted in pride. I don't want God. I just want to do me. Right. Satan was cast out of heaven because of pride. And so it goes on to say this here. Revelations 12, 3 through 4a. It says, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. A large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky. And he threw them to the earth. So right before God cast Satan out of heaven unto the earth, right before he cast Satan out of heaven into the earth, the Bible says that the hosts, the angels are innumerable. And so he deceives a third of heaven's angels through deception and through lies, and they are now down here with us. So Paul talks about the unseen spiritual rulers. They're here. They have been judged. If you read Revelations 21, I'm almost done. Stick with me. Is this okay? Is this okay? I'm almost done. Satan is now warring against anyone that believes in Jesus. Revelations 12. Here it is. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger knowing that he has little time. When Jesus comes back, Satan will be judged finally. Okay? And the dragon was angry at the woman. This is prophetically talking about Mary and declared war against the rest of her children. So she had Jesus. Anyone who puts faith in Jesus becomes a child of God, quote unquote, in a sense, a child of Mary. So here it is. And it says here, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for, I'm sorry, devil, great anger. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against her children and all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. So let me clarify something. Satan doesn't attack people who don't believe in Jesus. There's no need to. Jesus says that you are already condemned to hell. It's, it's God isn't, God, and let me clarify, God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves to hell because there's a sin bill that Jesus has paid for. And when you put your heart, give your heart to Jesus, you're covered. He makes war with Christians. And so the reason why it says God shows all of his rich variety and his wisdom is because the demons and the angels are like this, looking upon the earth like the angels are like, come on, come on, come on, come on, please. Like, pray, pray. I need, I need a job. I need a job. Like the unemployment line in heaven is so long. I need you to pray because I want to do something. And the demons are like, here's some depression. Here's some oppression. Here's a drug addiction. 
Here is abuse. Here is child molestation. Here is divorce. Yes, yes, that's what we want. That's what we want. That's and so the wisdom of God is this. No matter what has come your way, church, you continue to bounce back. You've fallen. You've been hurt. You've been battered. You've been torn. But you continue to get up. You continue to bounce back. Satan is, in fact, against you. But he's showing the angels and the demons who don't know what you feel, who can't experience what you feel, that you have the power of God on the inside of you. And so I don't know if we got it, but the final verse here is this. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret, Colossians 1.27. Christ lives in you. So what the angels and demons are trying to figure out is how do they bounce back? Because the God that created the universe lives in you. And that's a mystery to them. So I want to tell you this. There is more glory to your story. More impact. More growth. More blessing. More freedom. Some of you are authors. You're teachers. You're doctors. You're leaders. Your future mothers. Your future husbands. Business owners. There's more glory in your story because you have Christ on the inside. Let's bow our heads, everyone. If there's someone in here who has not accepted Jesus as Lord, He loves you. I'm going to give you until the count of three. We're just going to have you raise your hand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're you're already saved, go ahead and pray for your future brother and sister. Going to give you to the count of three to find true life and salvation. Let's just do it. Don't let the enemy talk you out of this. One, raise that hand high. We're going to pray with you. Two, three. Come on, raise it higher, higher, higher. Yes, 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 yes. Let's celebrate, church. Yes. Come on. Come on. Yes. Yes. Let's, uh, let's pray with them. We have three people that gave their hearts to Christ. New beginnings. Those of you that raised your hand, repeat after me. Church, let's support them. Let's do it too. Father God, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross. Fill me with your spirit. Give me power. Give me purpose. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all. See ya.